All right. <clears throat> Here we are, 2018. How many are excited for this year? New year at hand. We had a great week kicking things off uh, with our prayer and fasting. Uh, I want to commend you all again just on praying, on being Every night, just so many people, hundreds of people here praying together, fasting together, uh, unity, loving one another. I believe that we're setting the tone for a great year ahead. Amen? We're going to go over the next uh, number of weeks here. I mentioned this to you last week when I, when I kind of bumped things uh, during worship and uh, preached a different uh, message. We're starting a series here that we're going to go over for about a month, uh, Spear and Spade. You know, as a Christian, we're called to build we're called to grow, but we're also called to be warriors. Did you know that? You're called to be a warrior and a builder, usually at the same time. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a warrior. Now turn to them and say, you're also a builder. <laughs> and God's going to help you do both. God is going to help you learn to do both effectively, efficiently, we all know, and this is what I spoke about last weekend. If you weren't here last weekend, you can look it up online, but we need to pursue God's presence because in his presence is where we find the solution to everything we face. In his presence is where he trains us and teaches us to be builders of his kingdom and warriors in his kingdom, knowing the right time to say what we need to say, knowing that we can't just live off of what he told us in prior years. He wants to speak something new to you. How many believe God has a new word he wants to speak to you this year? Most of you put up your hand at the end of prayer and fasting and said, yeah, God spoke something to me this week. Write it down. Hold on to it. Let it get deep into your heart because he spoke it for a reason. He speaks things to you for a reason, but there's a responsibility we have to see God's will and God's word and God's plan come to pass. One of the biggest mistakes I think that Christians can make is over-spiritualizing things. And you might think, that sounds crazy. How can we ever over-spiritualize it? It's always about God's presence. And what I mean by that is in how we talk, we can make it sound like I just need to pray and read my Bible and then sit back and let God do his thing. And yet the Bible is just, that's not true at all. Yes, we need to pray and be in his presence and know the word all the time, constantly. That needs to be our priority. But the Bible teaches us then what our responsibility is. See, so often if we're not careful, we can push aside what our responsibility is, and then sometimes we try to take his responsibility and put it on ourselves, and we try to force something and make something happen, uh, and that's not realistic either. God has his things that he can only do in his way and in his time. Remember I spoke last weekend about not getting off the potter's wheel? I can't tell you how long he will have you on the wheel with that elbow right in that exact same spot, working you over. I, I wish I could tell you when it'll end, but I can't. Only he knows. But our job is to just stay on the wheel and let him do his thing. So we're going to go over this over the next number of weeks, uh, how, how it is we can be uh, builders, how we can grow, but also how we can learn to be spiritual warriors. Well, how many understand we are in a spiritual battle? We are spiritual beings. Once you invite Jesus into your life, uh, you become a target. The enemy isn't too impressed. The enemy's not too thrilled, like we spoke about uh, last week, that we're trying to open up a new location in a new part of our city. He doesn't want that. And he's going to try to oppose it and resist it. You and I need to learn how to stand our ground and how to advance and take ground uh, spiritually. Let's go to Ephesians 4. We're going to start off here at Ephesians 4, 14 and 16. The first thing we're going to look at here to start off this series is the fact that we must grow. Say must we must grow. 
There's just no other way around this. As a believer, if you want to see God really do something amazing and accomplish something in you and through you, you must be a growing Christian. You must be a growing believer. Ephesians 4, 14 to 16. It says, We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed around by every wind of new teaching. How applicable is this today with the, uh, with the internet and everything that you can go and read? We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There are some great statements in this verse. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ. Okay, so right off the hop, we're being given an indication of whether we're growing or not. If you're becoming more like Jesus, odds are you're growing spiritually. Our sinful nature and flesh generally doesn't try to direct us on a path where we become more like Jesus. Before you knew Jesus, were you becoming more like him or less like him? Right? We weren't becoming more like Jesus when we were apart from him. Anybody in your life who tries to influence you or teach you in anything that becomes a little bit less, helps you become less like Jesus, be on guard. Watch out. Be more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This, I love this passage. I absolutely love it. There's so much in here. I love how it reminds us that as we each do our part, we are helping each other grow. The Christian walk is not done in isolation. Never has been, never will be. Jesus and his disciples didn't do it in isolation. They were with one another. Uh, you know, they needed one another. They supported one another. And it's the same for you and I. As we do our part, we help one another grow. And as the whole body is healthy, the whole body is growing. The whole body is full of love. Uh, and this is what Jesus uh, intends for us to uh, live like as Christians. Okay, so we see multiple encouragements in this passage to grow and be growing. I love the part in here that reminds us to do our own work. Do our own work. We need to pay attention when we see phrases like this. It doesn't just say, pray like a maniac and do nothing. It says, do your own work. You know there's a work God has assigned you to do? When you meet Jesus, you now enlist as a follower of him. Every time he called somebody to follow him in Scripture, it was to put them into action. It wasn't to follow him just to waltz around and uh, kick back and eat food with him and hang out. He calls us because he wants us to be moving with him and doing things for him as kingdom builders. This whole passage is really an intentional call for us to roll up our sleeves and get growing, get working, become uh, the people that he's called us to be. All through it, we see grow, be growing, do your own work, do your own part. 2 Timothy 2.15 says to, uh, uh, reminds us to work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. It says, be a good worker, one who doesn't need to be ashamed, and one who correctly explains the word of truth. So here we are again with this same idea. Work hard. Turn to your neighbor and say, work hard. That's a pretty clear statement to understand, is it not? Work hard. The very first thing it says, present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. So again, we're seeing the need for us to grow, the need for us to work, to work hard, to do our work. We're laying a foundation here before we get into this next month because I want to make sure we all clearly understand the mandate as Christians, to be growing and to be working. Learning to grow as kingdom builders, and you're going to see where we're going with this, learning to also grow as spiritual warriors, people who can uh, take on more uh, spiritually. Second Peter 3, 
Verses 17 to 18. Go to 2 Peter 3. 17 to 18. <coughs> it says, I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so you won't be carried away by the errors of wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we are told that we must grow. We don't pray a prayer, accept Jesus into our life, and then just start sitting in a a seat in church once a week and call that growing. That's part of the Christian life. I get it. But that does not mean you're growing at all. You can sit here for 55, 65, 75 years and not grow at all if you choose. It's not the location you live that determines your growth. It's how intentional you are about growth and your relationship with Jesus. I mentioned this last week that... Unlike the human body, which, you know, as long as you feed these babies and, you know, that we've been seeing born and praying for, as long as you feed them, they're going to just grow, right? The parents can't stop them from growing. Well, as Christians, it's, it's not just uh, like that. We're not guaranteed to grow. We have to feed ourselves if we want to grow. If we don't feed ourselves and learn how to intentionally grow, we could stunt uh, our growth. Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. It must be pursued, Just like we talked last week, pursuing the Holy Spirit, pursuing the presence, we need to pursue growth. How many would say in 2018, I'm going to pursue a little bit of growth in my life. I'm going to make sure that I grow uh, throughout this year. Amen? So, let's talk about this. Growing into new territory. Okay, again, we're laying foundation for this next month. I want to make sure we all understand the biblical call here. All of us would say, I want to enter into new territory in 2018. I don't want to just you know, passively go through another year and just have it be an exact repeat of last year, right? We don't want that. You want to go somewhere new. You want to accomplish some new things. You want to add some new things to your life. You want 2018 to be better than 2017. Am I right? Yet, if we're going to look through some stories here from back in the Old Testament that give us a bit of an indication that not everybody who calls themselves a believer or a follower of Jesus, not everyone is guaranteed to advance into new territory. Not just because you pray the prayer doesn't mean you're automatically going to get into the new land, into the promised land. I believe this is applicable, what we're looking at, and I think this is super timely because this is an individual call and an individual mandate for us, but this is a perfect year for us to take it up a notch because as a church, we're entering into new territory. As a church, we're stepping into new land. The first of, I believe, many new promised lands, if you will. God promised many years ago that we would have multiple sites and we would spread and we would expand and multiply. This is the first time, I believe, of many times he wants us to do that. It's going to happen as the individuals who make up the church are growing and able to take territory and putting ourselves in a position where we can enter into the promised land. Amen? Numbers 1, I'm going to read through a a few different verses here in Numbers, try to keep up with me, Uh, I'm not going to take too long on on them, but Numbers 1, the first three verses, 1 to 3, it says, a year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness. On the first day of the second month of the year, he said, from the whole community of Israel, record the names of all the warriors by their clans and by their families. List the men 20 years or older who are able to go to war. Okay, so make a mental note. All males 20 years or older who are able to go to war. That's who he was talking about. We skip ahead to verse 44 and 45 in Numbers 1. It says, These were the men registered by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, all listed according to their descent. They were registered as families, all the men of Israel who were 20 years 
or older and able to go to war. Now we go to Numbers 14, verse 26. Numbers 14, 26. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long is this wicked community going to grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of them, so tell them, As sure as I live, says the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I've heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies are going to fall, every single one of you, 20 years and older, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land. We see a few distinct groups happening here, and I won't get into all the details, but as you can tell from that last verse, they started grumbling and complaining, did you lead us out into the wilderness just to die and hang out here forever, blah, blah, blah. A few groups that we see uh, God zeroing in on. The first one we very clearly hear over and over and over, the males who are 20 years and older and able to go to war, the ones who are warriors. This is who he first came and said, hey, I need to know who your warriors are. If you're going to enter, and remember, this was under the context of being in between places, in between Egypt and the promised land. And God comes along and says, I need to know who your warriors are. Mark them. You need to know who your warriors are. you got to know, can we take this promised land we're believing for? If you don't have any warriors, you ain't taking nothing. So list them. Mark them. Make sure you know. Make sure they know. These are the ones, all the males, 20 and up, who can go to war, who can go to battle. Okay, so we see that God's desire and God's plan was that they would be involved in advancing. They were going to advance into the promised land. If you and I want to move into the promised land God has for us, we must become effective spiritual warriors. Today, thankfully, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're over 20, under 20, male, female. When you're a follower of Jesus, we need to learn how to be a spiritual warrior, how to push back against the enemy, how to overcome sin, how to overcome the lies of the enemy and step into new land, and you will advance into the promised land. You will advance into the next season God has for you. Amen? The second group we see is... We hear them uh, talking about those who were unable to go to war and him saying that, you know what, those who were unable to go to war, like, they're not going to help us get into the promised land. I need you to mark and I need you to gather those who are warriors because that's who I'm going to send with you to advance into the promised land. Too many Christians, I believe, stay weak spiritually and never become a spiritual warrior and you run the risk of missing the promised land. You run the risk of missing the destiny. God has a place for you. God has a new territory for you. But are we putting ourselves in a position where he says, hey, this person can take it. This person can get there. They're becoming the warrior that I need to get into that next land, to get into that next phase uh, of their lives. Amen? We see the ones 20 and over who are unable to go to war uh, being centered out. But we also see another phrase here where it talks about they they were noted as were their entire families. They were noted, as was their entire families. Numbers 14.33 gives us a glimpse into this. Numbers 14.33 says, Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years. Okay, this is speaking to the men 20 and over who weren't warriors. Okay, the men 20 and older who weren't warriors. This is, they're being spoken to. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies dies in the wilderness. I want to throw a quick challenge out here tonight to all men in the house. How many men do we got in the house here tonight? Men, you and I are called to lead our families. How tragic would it be for your family to potentially miss what God has for them because we decided we're not going to become spiritual warriors who can lead them into the next land, who can lead them into the destiny? 
There is a call and there is a, a demand and there is a, a, an anointing that God wants to place on men to rise up and be men who can be spiritual leaders and spiritual warriors. And I know he does the same for women. I'm not excluding you. I'm just focusing for a minute on the men because this verse here is eye-opening. When the whole rest of the family suffers because the men were unable to go to war. You and I, in our 21st century, very gracious, uh, you know, always trying to make everybody happy mindset, we wouldn't do it this way. We would say, hey, look, the poor kids and wives didn't do anything wrong. Leave their deadbeat fathers behind, and let's bring them all into the promised land. But he doesn't look at family units that way. He says the men had an opportunity to lead their families into the promised land, and they didn't step up. Therefore, you're all going to be hanging out in the desert for the next 40 years. Don't lead your families into a place of desert. Don't lead your families, guys, into a place where God says, boy, I've got a new land, a new territory for you. But who is going to take the reins and push through and get into the promised land? Who is going to take the reins and is going to begin to lead with love and lead with passion and lead with anointing so that uh, families, you know, wives, husbands, children's, children all grow up together knowing what it is to advance into a promised land? There's a call on men. There's a call on men to rise up and be men. Ladies, can I hear you? There's a call on the guys to stand up and say, I am going to lead my family in righteousness. I'm going to lead my family into that new territory God has for us. Amen? Another group that we see <clears throat> that were restricted from entering the land, we see this back in Numbers 14, 29. It says, in this wilderness your bodies will fall, all of you 20 and older who were counted in the census and who have grumbled against me. You want to know one surefire way to make sure you never see the next promised land or new territory in your life is to be a critic, a grumbler, a complainer, a whiner. You, you, God just simply will not advance you. God will simply not uh, release a promised land to somebody who's a complainer. And we see this in Numbers 14. Proverbs tells us this over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you read Proverbs with any regularity, you kind of start to get a few, uh, a few hints sent your way. Right? There's just these common themes all the time. The tongue, being a complainer, being a grumbler is one of them. It comes up all the time through the Proverbs. There's a reason for that. It will derail your destiny. And this is why we get back to our first point and why we're doing this for a month, speaking on this for a month, because the Scriptures tell us we must grow. Say, must grow. We must grow. When you're growing in your faith, you start to learn things like this and realize, I can't be a critic. I might have been a negative, nelly, whiny critic my whole life, but I can't anymore as a believer. i got to learn how to zip it. i got to learn how to have self-control. I need to learn how to have the fruit of the Spirit represented in my life. This is why some of those earlier verses we read, they warned us about people who try to make their lies sound like the truth. Don't get confused by all that. Look at the, what the Scripture says about how someone operates, how someone speaks, how someone talks, what sort of attitudes are there. They might be able to talk circles around you in theology and doctrine, but you can, you can tell their attitude a mile away. Get far away. Learn to grow in your wisdom and grow in knowledge. Amen? I want to take a quick look here at a video. We're going to dive into seven traits of a growing believer. I want to show you these over the next month. Most of, or many of you may have seen these, the devotionals we had online uh, during our prayer and fasting week. So ignore any references to, you know, this week fasting. That was a couple weeks ago. But I want to look at this first one here tonight before we continue. As a church, we believe we are in a season of advancement, and because of that, we just want to equip you to be the best spiritual warrior that you can be, putting as many tools as we can in your hands. So why don't we dive right in and get to the very first characteristic. 
The very first thing that spiritual warriors do is that they dig their own well. There's so many things in our own hearts and in our own lives that will come and clog up the spiritual well of Jesus' living water within us. And those things can come from hurts, from fears, from worries of life. And we just want you to know that you can continue to dig the well and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you ever so freely. There's two scriptures I want to share with you. And the first one is this. It's found in John 7, verse 37. It says, Jesus cried out and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It is the will of God for you to be flowing in the Spirit and to allow that Holy Spirit to just flow straight through you and for you to become powerful. The second verse I want to share with you is also found in John chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. The water I give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So many times believers live a dehydrated spiritual life. But just like we read in the word of God, that isn't his plan. He wants you to live a fulfilling and fruitful life. So how do we go about digging out the things in our lives that might be clogging up that spiritual well? Well, here's a few things for you to consider. You can rejoice, you can praise, and you can offer thanksgiving. All three of those things, rejoicing, praising, and offering thanksgiving, are taking your eyes off of the problems, off of the hurt, off of the situations, and onto the God who can change all things. Love instead of fear, trust instead of worry, faith instead of doubt, and gladness instead of mourning. What you're doing here is you're replacing the junk and the yuck with the goodness of the Holy Spirit. All of these things can be found in the fruit of the Spirit. Remember the Bible described the Holy Spirit as your helper? Well, that's exactly who he is in your life. And as you depend on him, as you learn to rejoice and offer thanksgiving in seasons of trials, you are going to become a spiritual warrior, digging out the well and constantly digging it deeper. Here's an assignment for you today as we close. Ask God to show you something that needs to be removed from your life. And then ask him to show you what he thinks you should replace it with. There's so many things, even in the course of this week, we're going to be asking God a lot of questions and asking him to reveal things in our lives that maybe have been there far too long. I want to encourage you today that it is a season to rise up, to, you know, to plant your feet firm, and to get a new grip because God is doing a new thing. And in order for him to replace something new into your life, you've got to dig out the old. So don't be afraid of what the Holy Spirit might show you. He's probably already putting his finger on something right now. So go ahead, ask the Holy Spirit, and let's see what happens. All right, how many can receive that assignment? How many would agree there's things in my life I need to dig out so he can put in something new? I barely heard a word she said because I was so distracted by the beauty. <laughs> Don't worry for those who are visiting. She's my wife. Okay, relax. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to take that assignment to heart if you haven't yet. I know we spoke about this a couple times during prayer and fasting, but we need to get rid of some of the old junk so we can receive the new stuff God has for us. New Year's Eve, remember I carried around all that junk and wasn't able to receive the new thing that God had. Often we go through life this way. 
And there's still this old stuff that we've been carrying around for a long time. And it's just getting old and just taking up space in our lives. And God is saying, if you will get rid of that and dig it out, I have something new and amazing for you. I'm going to come and begin to replace the old with something new, something that's a bit more like Jesus, something that takes you closer to your destiny. Amen? I want to, those are all online as well, by the way, on our, uh, the website we put together for prayer and fasting. Uh, I don't know if you can still find that website. I think it's on there. But uh, it was so, such a great tool this year to have all those devotionals uh, to be able to look at in the morning. We're going to play a few of them over the next uh, number of weeks because I want us as a church this year to learn how to be spiritual warriors and how to be builders. Spiritual warriors, builders. Spiritual warriors, builders. Amen? Let's quickly look at seven traits of a growing believer. I'm just kind of giving you a whole foundation. I'm trying to give you a foundation this weekend. Uh, that we will build on in the following weeks, and we'll get into good practical how-tos and uh, how, how we can position ourselves this year to be a grower and a builder uh, and somebody uh, who's becoming a warrior. The first thing we see from people who are growing in their faith is they know how to use their tongue for encouragement and love. I understand that when you first came and met Jesus, you maybe were used to using your tongue for a whole bunch of other things. But he starts to change and transform us and says, no, you can't talk like that anymore. Don't talk to people like that anymore. Often we speak out of what's been spoken over us. Often hurt spews out of hurt people. All the time. All the time. When somebody has been hurt and wounded, they quite often become someone who also hurts and wounds others. I don't think people mean to do it, but we're wired in such a way where we've got defense mechanisms and responses uh, that that we automatically lean towards. God comes along and says, I'm going to start to heal you, and I'm going to start to change you, and you're going to actually start to be able to speak differently because it won't all be filtered through the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of hurt. Now it's going to be filtered through the cross. Now it's going to be filtered through what I've done for you and the new life that I've provided. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. How many would say, I want my tongue to be one that brings healing? How great is it when you're in God's presence and you're in God's word and he brings someone across your path and you're able to encourage them and literally be a source of healing and strength to them? Don't you always walk away amazed like, God, I'm, I'm amazed that you're using me to help and bless others? And then it happens to you as well, right? It, it all goes around that we're all in this together, but he wants us to learn to watch how we speak, how we use our tongues, what we talk about, how we talk about others. And this is ways that you can, again, when you get growing and you get mature as a believer, you start to more easily be able to identify other mature believers. You start to now be able to look around and say, boy, we've got a church family full of growing, maturing believers. We're going to take that new land. We're going to take that new territory. 1 John 3.11 says, This is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should love one another. Jesus kept pounding on this his whole time he was on earth, that you will, people will know we're his followers if we love one another. He came and he loved us, and we need to love him and love others in response. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the love of Jesus? A maturing believer knows how to use their words to bring healing and love to others. The second thing we see, a maturing believer prioritizes, okay, this is a choice, prioritizes prayer and worship. 
Again, there's so much, and this is why we started off with work and do your work and grow and be growing because we have a role in this. You can prioritize prayer and worship or you can choose not to. You're choosing whether you grow or whether you don't grow. It doesn't just automatically happen. Uh, we have to prioritize these things. We're in a spiritual journey. We're not going to win a spiritual journey without a spiritual existence. We are not going to overcome spiritual things unless we are armed and ready spiritually ourselves. If you want to be able to face the enemy and take down opposition in your life, you need to be in prayer and in the Word so that you're equipped and able to do so. You can sit right here next to somebody in the same church, hear the same messages, sing the same songs. One of you can be just destroying spiritual kingdoms. The other one can be completely bound up. What are we going to prioritize in our lives? Amen? The third thing we see here is a maturing believer prioritizes Scripture, the Word of God. We have to prioritize the Word of God. The Word of God is the foundation for everything. Everything. Jesus never contradicts his Scriptures, ever. John 5, 39 says, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures really point to me. What a great verse that is. You search them thinking that if I learn these things and I memorize them front and back, you know, the Pharisees did this, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they knew it better than any of us. But he came to remind them, the scriptures just point to me. When you get into the scriptures, you know Jesus. You want to know more about him? You want to know more about his character, how he thinks, what he thinks about you, what he thinks about your circumstances, what his plans, his purposes are? Get into the word. Get into the book that he provided for us and you will know everything you need to know about Jesus. This is one of the great things about the Bible, one of the great things about being somebody who prioritizes Scripture. You begin to know Jesus like you've never known him before. You get to know him in a whole brand new way. Amen? The fourth thing we see is maturing believers share their faith with others. How many know one person in your life who needs to hear the good news of Jesus? Let me see your hands. If you know one person who needs the good news of Jesus... When we grow in our faith, when we get into the scriptures and we see what we're called to live like, we can't help but go and share the good news. We can't help but tell people about Jesus and how good he's been in our life and how much he has changed us and the hope that's available to every single person. Every single person has hope and a new destiny and a new future in Jesus. Amen? Matthew 4.19 reminds us, Jesus saying, come and follow me, and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. He was talking to natural fishermen, and he went up to them and said, hey, forget those fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to teach you how to share the good news to people. We were called by Jesus, and like I said earlier, the call was a call to action. It was a call to a lifestyle. He didn't say to them, come follow me, and we'll still do some fishing, and we'll have some meals together, and you'll get to watch me go around and do a bunch of crazy stuff that's going to blow your mind, but you don't have to do anything. You can just come along for the ride. No, he didn't say that. He said, come along, follow me. I'm going to train you in a whole new way of living. And they did get to go with him and watch him do a whole bunch of crazy, amazing things. But nevertheless, the call is still there, the same for you and I today. We are called to follow him, and he will start to do great things in us and through us. Amen? Letter E, a maturing believer learns how to live a lifestyle of obedience. John 14, 50, and if you love me, you will keep my commands. Obedience is a choice. Turn to your neighbor say, obedience is a choice. I don't care what you've been told previously. I don't care how many decades you've struggled with something. 
At the end of the day, we need to get on our knees with Jesus, let him begin to change and transform us, and remember that he gives us the power to choose obedience. He gives us the ability to choose obedience. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer subservient to the enemy and all of his attacks and all of his temptations. We can choose to obey our Heavenly Father. We can choose to walk away from the old lifestyle that was heading us down a bad path, and instead we can begin to follow Jesus in a new life. Think about your life and what it was like before you knew Jesus. And think about how amazing and radical the change and transformation has been since you've come to know Jesus. You know, I, th- I find often one of the areas that we need to be on the ball with and we need to be super intentional with is when it comes to young people who were raised right here, who were raised in church, who, thank the good Lord, didn't have to go through years or decades of addiction and, and awful circumstances and abusive relationships and, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, issues in life. They've been protected. They've been raised in a safer environment, but we need to help them understand what they still have been saved from. We need to still make sure young people growing up at, right here uh, in the house of God don't grow up thinking, oh, there's a lot of fun, cool stuff out there I need to try. No, there's a lot of devastating stuff out there waiting to take you down if you give it an opportunity. It saddens me to no end to see the ravage of addiction and suicide and all this nonsense taking place among teenagers these days. The enemy's attacks on the young generation are only growing and getting stronger. He loves to take young people. He absolutely loves to destroy lives early. When you're young, you should still be full of hope and optimism and just zeal and you're pumped for the future. You've not not yet gotten old and jaded. Don't put your hand up here, but some of us got old and jaded as life started to unwind. When you're young, you're like, I can take anything. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to take the world. God put that zeal and that exuberance in young people. And what a travesty it is to watch the enemy try to suck that out at a young age. To see the attack on family in, in culture today and try to destabilize young people right from the time they're born in all sorts of awful home situations all sorts of addiction situations, all sorts of temptations that are there. But guess what? We serve a God who can help young people get the presence and the spirit of God in their lives and not have to ever fall prey to that lifestyle. Never have to go through the journey you had to go through to meet Jesus. Come on, we need to pray consistently for the young people in our church and in our city. Amen? Uh, Where was that? Was that letter E? Yep, obedience. Letter F, maturing believers serve together. We get connected here into a body, and we serve. We read right at the beginning, every part, every part of the body does its own special work. You have a special work. God connected you to this body because there's a special work for you to accomplish. And that verse reminds us that the whole body grows. We all grow as you do your special work. Don't fall into wrong thinking that thinks your role isn't important, that your job doesn't really matter. And you can't play an instrument, so you'll never get to be up front and do flashy things. No, 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 no. Every single role matters. Every job matters. Every task matters. And every one of us doing our part helps the whole grow, helps the whole body be successful. I told you this a few months ago when I had a broken toe in the summer. My one, two, third toe in or whatever it was. Like, small toe broken, but it impacts the function of the whole body. Nobody would ever say with your natural body, oh, you can get rid of a few of my toes. I don't need them anyways. I won't even notice. No, you would notice. (laughs) You'll totally notice. Well, it's the same here. There is no insignificant part. 
If some of us choose to just sit back and not do our part because we don't think we're valued or we're significant, we're harming the whole body. You are significant. You are important. You are anointed. You are gifted. You are called. God has you here for a reason. Whatever your skill and your passion and your gifting and your ability is, use it to him with all of your strength and all of your might, and he will start to bless you. He will start to help you see how it fits. Suddenly, you'll begin to realize, I am significant. Because you're a son and a daughter of the Most High, you absolutely are significant. There's no insignificant person in this royal family. When you've got Jesus as your Lord, when you've got Jesus as your Heavenly Father, you absolutely are significant. And we all need to serve and do our part. Hebrews 6.10, I love this. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget, listen to this verse, he will not forget your work. There's that word again. I'm purposely overusing that word this weekend so we understand our call and our mandate to work and to grow. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Have you ever felt that nobody notices your work? Nobody notices what you do? I mean, God, like, I'm trying to serve you, but is it worthwhile at all? Am I making a difference at all? I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to help them grow in you. I'm trying to love them and care for them, but is it really worth anything? Is anybody noticing? Am I making a difference at all? This verse reminds us, God will not forget your work. He will not forget what you do for him. Think about that. When you get a promise like that from God, he, he's not a promise breaker. He will not forget the work that you do for him and that you do for his house, and you do for his kingdom. When you go through those seasons, and you're starting to believe that lie, that your work isn't important, I'll just pull, back a, pull out a verse like this again. My God values every single thing that I do for him. And you're storing up treasure in heaven, and you'll get there someday, and I bet you the vast majority of us, if you live you know, with the humble heart, the vast majority will get there and say, I had no idea I was even having that kind of impact. I was even doing that much. But I kept serving you, God. I kept giving what skill and what ability I did have. I kept giving it to you with an honest, genuine heart. You will be storing up treasure in heaven. Absolutely. Amen? We have opportunities this year. We always have opportunities. But opening a new campus, we have opportunities for people to join A-teams and get serving and working together, joining in with one of our many ministries here. This is where the intersection happens between us taking new territory personally and us taking new territory as a church. When we say, I'm going to individually take new territory, I'm going to join a team, I'm going to step up, I'm going to start to serve, I'm going to start to give more of myself to the Lord, you're now helping the whole group succeed. You're now helping the church take new land and take new territory. This is where the merger happens. The last thing we see here, and we just talked about this, so I won't elaborate, growing, maturing believers are learning how to fight spiritual battles. You will learn how to get into a spiritual battle that's uncomfortable and yucky and you're getting pounded from all sides, but you will learn how to stand firm and fight it. You will learn how to stand strong and fight back. You will learn how to take territory back from the enemy. You will start to develop an offensive mindset as a Christian, not a defensive one that's just trying to hold on for dear life any chance I get. God will teach you how to be a warrior that knows how to use your weapons and you start taking back territory from the enemy. You start making damage happen in the spiritual realms. Amen? Determine this year to be the kind of Christian who will not just get yourself into the promised land, but you're going to help the whole group 
You're going to help your family, children, next generations. You're helping everybody get into the promised land. I want to leave you with another add-on to the assignment that you saw in the video there from Mary. Write these down on your your, uh, device or if you're doing paper notes. Uh, I would first encourage you to write the one down she gave you. Ask the Lord, what's something you want to remove from me and replace it with as we start this year? I want to encourage you this year to develop a plan in your life for intentional growth. And we will kind of touch on this the next number of weeks. Uh, We can't get into it exhaustively right here. Have goals and set goals and set an action plan to see those goals happen. How many right now can say, without even having, you're already on this, I have goals for 2018. Let me see your hands if you've got goals. Come on, this is awesome. This is great. For years and years and years, I've watched people, the ones who are goal setters and the ones who love to set goals, always seem to be accomplishing more. Oh, they don't always hit their goals. Hey, that's fine. If you accomplish half of it or three quarters of it, that's a lot better than none. Conversely, it seems to me that those who don't set goals, who just kind of let life come and go, years start to pile up. Years start to come and go. Be a person who says, I'm going to set some goals this year. And please be real with this. Set goals that aren't just so ridiculous that you know you have zero chance of them happening. If you haven't been to the gym in the last five years, do not set a goal to be joining Mr. Olympia when the next uh, Mr. Olympia takes place or the next Olympics. Start to set realistic goals that you can actually do, things that you can actually uh, accomplish in your life. I'll give you a few examples. You might say, darn it, I need to pray and read the word more. I need to be someone who knows the word better. Get your schedule out and start to daily put time in there to pray and get in the word. Don't put 90 minutes and set yourself up for failure. Just make it daily. Some days you might do five. Some days you might do 25. I don't care. Just start to make it a habit. Start to make it a daily habit in your life. In March 2016, Joel Stockstill was here and did a great message on daily prayer and Bible reading. And I'm giving you the date, the month, March 2016. Write that down because it's on our podcast if you want to go back and find it and scroll through the list. I went and scrolled through them to find this for you. March 2016, a great word from Joel Stockstill on daily prayer and daily Bible reading. Set yourself a plan that you're going to follow. Every year when we come into a new year, I love to do the New Testament in 30 days, so I'm in the middle of it right now. And I've missed a few days so far this month. So instead of the New Testament in 30 days, I might end up doing it in 35 days. I'd rather do the New Testament in 35 than not at all. Set yourself a goal. Start working the plan. And days where things just don't go your way, don't worry about it. There's a new day coming tomorrow. Sun's going to drop and come back up, and you can get right back on track because you've got a goal and a system and a plan that you're following. Making sense? Memorize a verse a week. Or a verse every two weeks. Just pick one verse. Don't find the longest, most, you know, religious-sounding thing. Just a verse that God speaks to you. And I'm going to memorize a verse a week or a verse every two weeks. Imagine learning two verses a month. 24 verses in a year. You might think, that doesn't sound like a lot. It's probably 24 more than you memorized last year. Let's start to set goals. And then you can add to things. Once you start to get some success, you can always add to these. These aren't life goals that will never change. I'm just trying to help you learn Develop a plan and a system that will get intentional growth happening. Because this year as a church, we need to be intentionally growing. We need to be intentionally working. As followers of Jesus, we're going to go through seasons where our church isn't growing into any buildings or any projects or any new campuses. But guess what? We still need to be growing. Because we love Jesus. Amen? 
I just mentioned an A-team. Join an A-team this year or, say, or go to your A-team supervisor and say, I want to be trained in some new tasks. I'm getting too comfortable. I know how to do all this. I want to step it up a little. I'm going to add more skill sets. I'm going to uh, lift some loads in a different area than I have been uh, up until now. How many of you would say that, boy, I, Lord, I would love to lead someone to the Lord this year. I would love to see someone pray and meet Jesus. Let me see your hands if that's a desire in your heart. And this one's hard because I know we can't make that happen. This is one of the ones that God, the Bible tells us, he is the Lord in charge of the harvest. You can't make somebody meet Jesus. You can't make somebody pray the prayer and get saved. But you know what you can do? You can be an open life, an open heart, an open person who meets and loves people and believe God that as you're building friendships and relationships and meeting people this year, God is going to connect you with someone who's ready to receive the good news. So if you say, Lord, I want to lead someone to you this year, you're probably going to have to meet more than one or two people who don't know Jesus throughout the course of the year. Unless you plan on batting a 1,000 and the one person you meet happens to pray and meet Jesus, even Jesus didn't have that rate. I don't think you and I can expect to. Why don't you look for one person a week? One person a week when you're at church. We say this a lot here, right? Meet someone, you don't know their name. Sometimes they've been coming five years. Sometimes they just walk through the door. You find that out once you go and say hi. But if you meet 52 new people over the course of a year, or let's take in vacations and sick time and so on and so forth, let's knock it down to 40. If you meet 40 new people over the course of the next year, you've got a much better opportunity of seeing God bring new relationships into your life. You've got a much better opportunity of being able to share the good news with more people. But we've got to intentionally position ourselves to have the opportunity. We can't say, God, use me in your harvest field, but I refuse to talk to people. The harvest is people. Jesus went to the cross for people. Jesus loves people. Amen? Some of you, I know, would have some goals set. You want to read books, good books that are going to help build your life, that are going to help uh, educate you and train you on things. Uh, take some time into your schedule. You know, certain numbers, uh, uh, certain days of the week. You know you're going to read a certain amount of minutes each week. Next thing you know, you start to read, you know, three books, six books, nine books. You can come through the end of the year and say, hey, I read six books this year. Which, again, might be six more than you did in a prior year. But you have a plan that you're working uh, to get there. How about health? He health issues. If you want to see some poundage start to drop off, you're going to have to watch how you eat. Plan your meals a little different. How about exercising a bit more often? Plan exercise into your schedule. People who say, that's it, I'm going back to the gym, I'm exercising. If it's not planned in your life where it fits, it just won't happen. Or it does in January when the gyms are rammed and then it gradually dives back down to the normal gym users uh, who are there the rest of the year. How about if you want to develop new friendships in your life? I've had this, this is actually a common question, a common thing I get asked to me. People come and talk about like, I feel like I, my friendships aren't that deep. Or I, I think God wants me to have a couple of new friends. You need to start smiling, being friendly, introducing yourself, sitting down for coffee with people. The Bible tells us that somebody who shows themselves friendly, you're going to have friends. Instead of going around and complaining that nobody's being your friend, why don't you start to be the friend? Why don't you start to be the initiator? Why don't you say, I'm going to... Uh, Focus on people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to smile. I'm going to introduce myself. Some people might be rude and tell you to hit the road, but you will inevitably meet some great people. Hey, how about the young guys in the room who want to get married? I got a little tip for you here this year if you want to get married. Now people perk up. Whoa. Is this really going to work? Hey, you might not get married this year. You might not get married in the next decade. I have no idea. That's up to God. 
But I can guarantee you this, if you don't ever walk across the room and say hi to a girl, you ain't ever getting married. I do know that. They're not going to bite. Be friendly. Be normal. Go out for a bite to eat after services. So often I just, I howl at some of the conversations that I hear. Oh, I don't think any of these girls, they don't want to come eat with us. Why don't you go and ask? We're going to go grab a bite to eat. Y'all want to come? If they all say no and say, don't ever talk to me again, okay, then you know where they stand. (laughs) I happen to think we have a good crop of spiritually mature, amazing young ladies in this church who would love to go grab a bite to eat with you. And the worst that happens, you may not find a spouse, but you're going to develop some new friends, some new friends in your generation. And usually spouses come from groups of friends. Start building friendships and let God take care of who and when and how you get married. How many receive that word? I heard a lot of high-pitched, sounded like female voices agreeing with me right there. <laughs> Develop a plan. Go home this week and begin to say, I'm going to lay out a plan for, you know, some of those things. I, I imagine on a list like this, some of them apply uh, to you. And say, I'm going to get intentional to grow this year. I'm going to learn to grow like the verse told us at the beginning, to do my part. I'm going to be intentionally growing, intentionally doing my work. We're going to talk about how to intentionally be a spiritual warrior like you saw in the video starting with your own well, giving yourself a good, clean place for the presence and spirit of God to operate. And this can be your best year ever. I don't know what your circumstances will be like, what your job situation will be like, what health battles you might, might come your way, what relational drama might show up. I have no idea. But if you get a plan like this and you start to honestly and sincerely walk with the Lord, this can be your best year of growth yet. And you will start to become someone who's well-equipped with the spear and the spade in your life. Amen, church? How many are excited for 2018? Amen? Come on, it's going to be a good year together. Why don't we close our eyes and let's finish off here tonight with a quick word of prayer, thanking the Lord. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that your scriptures just give us all this wisdom for our lives. Anything that we need to know, anything that we face, we find it in your word. Lord, I pray that you would look upon this church family and see a group of people who aren't, uh, you know, trying to blame others and always point the finger somewhere else, but we would look right in the mirror and we would, more importantly, get on our knees and look with you. Say, God, if I'm not where I want to be yet in my life, I know that I can do something about it with your help this year. As I pursue your presence and I pursue intentional growth, I know that you're going to slowly start to change me more into your image. As I stay on that wheel and let you work, As I stay on the potter's wheel and let you have your way, I know you're going to start to take old things and replace them with new things in my life. Lord, I pray that all of us would say, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm going to give myself to growing. I'm going to give myself to the Lord. And God, we're not going to hold you to timelines on your end. We're simply going to learn to be faithful followers of you on our end. We're going to learn to be faithful disciples on our end who read your scriptures and obey them, who have a heart that loves you, a heart that seeks after you, a heart that puts others first and prefers others to ourselves. We're going to learn to apply your word in our lives, Lord, and I know that over time we will start to see amazing changes. Bit by bit, decision by decision, day after day, it'll add up to new lives being shaped, new character being shaped. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who's not yet started this journey with you. They don't yet have their own relationship with you. Or maybe they did at one time and, and you know, just kind of didn't prioritize it. 
You see every person in this room, and I pray right now that your spirit would show how much you love everyone and the destiny and the purpose you have for everyone. Every person in this room, you love. You love more than we'll ever know. Let's keep your eyes closed for me for a minute before we finish up here. I want to ask a quick question. If you're here tonight, and like I just said, you don't know Jesus personally, you've not yet started your own relationship with him, or maybe you did at one point in your life, and for whatever reason, it didn't, you didn't continue it, I want to give you a chance to pray with me tonight. We're going to pray a very quick, simple prayer together, and you can invite Jesus to join your life. You're probably here with a family member or a friend who's told you all about him. And odds are you've seen the change in them. They, they probably don't need to tell you much because you can see the change for yourself. They simply prayed this prayer and invited Jesus to join their journey, and now their lives have been transformed and are continuing to be transformed. None of us are perfect, but we're being transformed by him. If you're here tonight and you'd like to start your own journey, your own relationship with him, could you slip your hand up good and high so I don't miss you? I want to pray with you here tonight uh, before we head home uh, together. Go ahead around the room. Thank you. I see your hand over here. <clears throat> Anybody else? We're going to pray this together here in a moment. A simple prayer. I'm going to pray a simple, quick prayer. You can invite Jesus into your life and start your own relationship with him or restart it if you need to. Anybody else like to uh, join us here? Go ahead and lift your hand up so I don't miss you. We do this every single service here. Almost every service we pray this, so people pray with us. There's a lot of people whose lives are being changed by Jesus right now. Anybody else? Say, yeah, I want to I wanna pray. I want to meet Jesus. I want to start this journey, experience all that he has. All right, I'd like to do this then. I think we just, uh, just saw one hand. If you wouldn't mind uh, coming, on, uh, coming on up here with me, I want to pray with you. What, church, why don't we welcome our brother on up here as he comes tonight. cheering for you, but boy, oh boy, in heaven, they're cheering a storm up right now. We're going to pray this prayer together. I'd like you to repeat this after me, and I don't want you to even worry about the past, and you know, I know you prayed this prayer at one time, but that doesn't matter. This is a brand new start right now, brand new beginning. This is the great thing about our God. I'd like you to repeat along, and you know, the Lord sees your heart, and he knows the sincerity and your, your hunger uh, for him in your heart. Church, let's all do this together tonight. Let's all just uh, unify it as one. Let's pray. Uh, this prayer uh, together here, all right? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me. Lord, I accept you into my life tonight. I want to start my own relationship with you. I want to know you personally. Jesus, please forgive me anything wrong I've ever done. Thank you for offering me a new start. Thank you for offering me hope. Thank you for offering me love. I love you tonight, Jesus. In your 
your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Good stuff, buddy. Awesome, man. So good. do this with you. These guys obviously can go with you and Laura here just wants to take you into the other room, give you a few things, right? Take home, chat with you, pray with you again, help you get started here. But man, welcome home, brother. We love you, man. Church, why don't we give him a big, huge hand tonight? a good God. God is a God of families. He restores families. I assure you this, he loves your family. Those of you who are here and you're praying for family members, don't stop. Don't stop praying because you don't know when and how God is going to be working in their hearts. He's a faithful father. How many would agree with me there? He is a faithful father. Amen? Come on, so good. So good. Feels like we just got started, but why don't you stand up? I'd like you to look around for someone you don't know. You need more friends in your life. Maybe they need more friends in their life, but regardless, we're called to love one another. Go say hi. Introduce yourself. The cafe is open. Go ahead and grab a coffee together. Church, we love you. Have an awesome, awesome weekend.